0: You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons Limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we enter the frozen wilds. We journey to the edge of the nuke territory, the Cut, to investigate reports of spirits and new vicious machines. Welcome to episode 27 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. Yes, and I'd like to welcome back any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for check, take, or taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game, especially now we finished the main story. So, please join us in our Discord at mashgg Discord where we do have channels dedicated to Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. Uh, so, quick recap of what we talked about in our last episode. We finished the game. That's what we did. Woo! We saved Mer- <laughs> we saved Meridian and the Spire from the Shadow Carja in Hades. Aloy found the home and the body of Elizabeth Sobek and Silence. Captured Hades again, always wanting more information. And to, on this episode, we're going to talk about the Frozen Wilds, or at least getting started in the Frozen Wilds DLC, which will take us to the cut. Which you can actually get this quest in multiple locations. I know one place is in Meridian, but the other place is in Day Tower, and that's where both me and Christina got the quest from this time. Because I mean, as soon as you uh, Day Tower unlocks, he's the first person with a quest that you walk up to. Right, so uh, at Daytower, Aloy runs into an Osram talking about Banuke and how it's nothing but trouble.
1: I heard you talking about trouble in Banuke lands.
2: Was that out loud? Ears must be getting worn down from all those long leg blasts. But you heard right. I'm fresh back from the cut, looking for better scavenging and better shards.
1: I guess you didn't find them up there?
2: Not with the Banuk wailing about new machines, and talking spirits and their purses frozen shut. What's a trade route without trade? It's just a... route.
1: There's a trade route. I accept to themselves.
2: We Asaram and the Banuk are neighbors, after all. What's a few mountain ranges between friends? I have some acquaintances out there, still trying to dig a living out of the ice, but they say nothing seems to stick. All the superstitious nonsense and rampaging machines aren't helping.
1: What were these new machines and spirits?
2: Honestly, I don't even know. Going by the number of Banuk funerals, I'd say the kind you turn away from.
1: Not really my style.
2: Well, if you reach my grand old age, you might prefer picking up after hunters in the Sundom. It's warmer, too.
1: What is this place, the Cut?
2: When the Karja took up swords and hacked away at the edge of Banuk land, they left the Cut behind.
1: So a battleground from the war, like the valley outside the Sacred Land.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Mountain pass in the far north and east will get you there. It's open to outlanders. Hardy ones, like you. Just don't expect much of a welcome. Especially not now.
1: New machines and talking spirits? I'm interested.
2: Thought as much, just looking at you. Don't say you weren't warned. There's a slip of a trail through the northeastern mountains, past what we call the Grave Horde. You won't miss it. You'll find what passes for a town
0: on the other side. Maybe someone there can talk you out
2: of it.
1: Maybe. Maybe not. Thanks for the information.
0: So, Oter, he just got back from the cut, and the cut is actually south of Banner and just north of the sacred land. So, originally, I thought the cut was part of Banner, but it's not, now that I'm I'm reading a bit more clearly.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that, too. Like, as I was in there, um, they mention Banner but, like, they're not in Banner. And then I looked at the map, and I was like, oh, that's right. Because, like, the Forbidden West is over here, and the claim's up here. So, that makes sense that it's technically not in the map. It's above the map.
0: Right, yeah. So, and that's, the, like, sorry, I, I know they said before that there are no ruins in Banner. And I was like, that's not true, because there's ruins in the DLC. Well, the DLC is not Banner. It is the cut. Uh So, um yeah, he uh, he... Was in the cut and uh, he was trying to sell stuff to Bernouk, but uh, I said Bernouk, sorry, Benouk, uh, But they were preoccupied with new machines and spirits, so they weren't spending much money. Uh, he never saw any of the new machines, and based on how many hunters died, he imagined they were pretty rough. And of course, Aloy's interested in this, you know, is not my war, <laughs> so right, yeah. Uh, So O'Turde tells her she can reach the cut on the path north of the Grave Horde. So, I mean, if you play this game on PC or once the complete edition was out, I think as you get close to the Grave Horde, you can see that area that he's talking about. She even says something about it, too. Yeah, yeah I think get she closer.
3: I think she mentions it as you get closer, but it's like right behind Greyford. like when I went there, I was afraid I would accidentally cross over now climbing up there, you can't accidentally just go up there. It's a lot of climbing, but there's like the the blue um gleam, not blue, yeah, I guess it's blue, no, the glowy blue stuff not blue yeah
0: gleam. I, I thought that was blue gleam like oh, just
3: i thought it was just like raw glowing wires or something i don't maybe. know maybe
0: it's pro- uh, you're probably right
3: but yeah you can see like the the blue glow and and ladders everywhere so you it's very clearly marked that it's going to be a new area
0: right yeah so uh aloy she makes her way to the path that auteur tells her about and while she's climbing silence gets in her ear uh you know he's like you know what are you doing He says the Banuk have nothing to offer but useless mysticism. And, uh, you know, Alois, she mentions that he has blue-threaded cables growing through his skin just like a Banuk shaman and says, well, maybe you just don't want me digging up your past. And he says that his concern is with the future of the world, not the past, and tells her to do what she wants to do, as always. But, yeah, I mean, because at this point, we're back before the looming shadow. So even before we talk to Avad. So yeah, he's you know technically speaking, in this point of the of the game, he just spoke to us at Gaia Prime.
3: Yeah, and she mentions that too. I think she was like, "Oh, I thought you moved on. Like, why are you checking up on me?"
0: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, right now, I can't really tell if you hit like a soft spot with him or not, or sore spot. I should say not a soft spot because I don't think he has any soft spots.
3: Right. I mean, I I do I do get it. She should be moving forward and dealing with the looming threat that's happening technically in the storyline but that's not what I we're gonna wanna, do i just
0: want to play some game yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> that's not what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> right so uh as Aloy makes her way up the mountain um up the mountain a new machine appears pretty much unannounced like it just comes out of nowhere pretty much uh so it's like some type of wolf or canine machine it's called a scorcher uh it has fire attacks causes waves of fire It could jump really long distances, and then it also leaves a trail of fire behind it, but it is weak to ice, and we we get two new machines. I mean, technically speaking, three in the DLC, but two new machines, essentially. Uh, and they're both pretty aggressive machines. And like I, I think this is just kind of like a primer getting you ready for what's about to happen <laughs> when you uh, actually get into the cut. Because this is this might be the most aggressive machine we've come across in the game. It is super aggressive.
3: Absolutely. And when I got further in, started to fight other things like scrappers and stuff, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be super tough. They weren't. They weren't. This really yeah. set me up. And then I went in afraid that everything was going to be hard to fight. It's not. It's pretty normal except for the new machines.
0: Yeah, like I mean cuz this one this one attacks frequently and it hits hard. Oh, I would yeah. say this one attacks more even more frequently than the other new machine that you come across.
3: Yeah, it's really hard to recover with this one. The new machine you have a little bit of time for them to move around and stuff sometimes, but this one just like goes <laughs> nonstop.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean you I think you'll rarely come across multiple Scorchers uh, there are areas where they do travel in packs like if you go to a uh, area where they just spawn over and over like you know a site for uh, Scorchers they travel in packs of two or three I think I think three but yeah they they they're tough to fight in groups because somebody is constantly attacking you know somebody is constantly attacking so yeah but um I was surprised that they showed off the new machine that early, especially the, the first time I played it. I was like, wow, already, because it just it literally just come, almost comes out of nowhere and jumps down like unannounced.
3: It, and it's not even that just that, too. Like in the past, all machines are like weak to fire. So you're just out of the gate. This thing jumps at you. I didn't go to the middle I stayed at the edge. I should have gone to the middle to fight it because I rolled yeah. back off the cliff.
0: <laughs> I d- <Yes. laughs>
3: did not get hurt. But, yeah, they just throw this new machine at you with a strength. Like, it's immune to fire, I'm pretty sure. Because I was trying to shoot the canisters on its back. And she was like, oh, fire's not working. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I just want to blow it up. I just keep missing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is weak to ice, which is a little... Weird to me because usually, in, like, fire beats ice in games like this, where you know, right, you no know, fire melts ice. <laughs> but well, but then, uh, the
3: melted f- ice turns into water
0: and evaporates with fire. The, I, <laughs> I'm just trying I'm something, <laughs> I, I know, I know. So, yeah, it was a little weird, but I I expected like at least a cutscene. This, the second new machine, you get a cutscene, but now it just jumped down, ready to fight. That was it, even though, like, I think i immediately i immediately started attacking it the first time the second time i i mean i did the same thing too i was kind of i was expecting it uh but like i just immediately started attacking it but i do believe if you just kind of leave it alone you have a little bit of setup time right like you can at least read you know use your uh focus on the machine and see uh, what its weaknesses and are and where you can knock off armor and stuff like that so they do give you a little time. Plus, it's not at full health either.
3: I really struggle. Yeah, I fought. I've fought them afterwards, and I did not struggle as much as I did the first time fighting this one because I, I didn't know what it was. So that's a thing. But right, that that was a really rough fight. I'm not going to show anybody that video because it is embarrassing.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> So, after destroying the Scorcher, Aloy, she continues to climb, and once you're high enough, uh, a nuke, like, a, a guard sees you and announces your presence via a really loud horn. Like, it just he just blows the horn, and then is like, oh, the is up here. <laughs> like, he you knows So everybody knows you're coming.
3: That has to be a boring job just sitting there and blow the horn for anyone that goes through, because I don't think many people go through that area.
0: Oh, yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, yeah, because I know... Later on, one of the Osuram talks about how they interact with the Banuk normally and the claim is right next to Ban Ur. Two areas that we can't see, but they're right next to each other, so they I think they just usually go through the mountain ranges and meet the Banuk there, but the cut is south of Banner, so like what do they do? Do they come through the carja and then go back around, or do they just go through ban Ur and then come down to the cut? You know?
3: It might be tough because you might have to go even more north to go through the claim because I think there's like more mountains and stuff in the way before you get to Banner.
0: Right. So, I don't know. Maybe Forbidden West will clear that up. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah. So, uh, Aloy she finds a a path that leads to a settlement, uh, Song's Edge. And before Aloy gets there, you know, she can see a massive amount of smoke coming from a distance. And then there's also smoke coming from an encampment. So the 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 one massive amount of smoke is coming from, a, they call it a mountain, but it's like a volcano. <laughs> you know, so it's a mountain with no top <laughs> and smoke's coming out of it. It is a volcano, but we'll just call it the mountain because that's, that's what they call it. They call it the mountain.
3: I didn't realize, though, until you find out that it's a volcano, that it was a volcano at that point. I just thought it was a mountain that was smoking. I didn't look at it. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. It's a
0: mountain. So It's a mountain. They got it. They would know better than me, right? So, uh, uh, so, um, you know, there's, uh, like I said, the smoke in the encampment. Everybody's heading that way. And Haley says, well, something must be big must be happening because everybody's heading toward the smoke. And as she approaches the group, she meets Burgrand, an Asaram merchant.
4: Get ready for a rare sight, Nora. Bergrind purveyor of necessities. Most of the time, the Banuk burned their dead. But not today.
1: Because the bodies couldn't be recovered.
4: Aye, a nasty business. All their best warriors lost, so they're getting a different kind of send off
5: Grasp your grief, my hunters, and kill it! For our kin sees the fate all Banuk long for, falling with their spears striking steel. Their struggle is over now. You have witnessed their spirits rise up into the blue sky and beyond to the blue light. But our struggle is only beginning. Soon, we will again take up the hunt against the daemon that frenzies the machines against us. And so I ask you... Can you summon the courage of our fallen kin? Will you fight? And die? As well as they did? My courage! My spear! Our blood is in
4: your
6: teeth, Oratok.
5: We are Banuk. Our enemies. Our prey.
1: A daemon. That frenzies the machines.
4: Machines that wiped out their best. And what do they want to do? Go back up there.
0: So Bergeron, he explains that they're holding a funeral, but they can't get the bodies back. So this funeral is a little different for the Banuk. Uh, He tells Aloy that this group of Banuk lost all their best warriors. And when he means lost, he means like dead, you know. Uh, So some shamans, they're there at the ceremony. They start dancing and chanting and shouting, and eventually they blow a horn that calls a flock of glint hawks and takes armor off of a pyre and this I don't know if it's the actual armor of the people who died, and I'm like, "If you can get the armor, why didn't you get the body
3: i'm sure it's I'm sure it's not. It could have been their spare armor, so maybe you know it had their essence on it. I really doubt they just like stripped them down. <laughs> and
1: yeah. <took>
0: the
3: armor <laughs> just left their bodies there.
0: Yeah, so like uh, it's probably just like um, you know just representations of those of those warriors. So, uh, but uh, then after that, talk, the chieftain of this warack, starts to speak, and you know he's trying to build morale for the group because they have to go back and fight a demon in the mountain, and this is how they lost their other soldiers because they went to go fight this demon. Sorry, I said demon, but daemon, uh, which is a very important difference, <laughs> and they. Um, yeah, a bunch of them got killed, so uh, it sounds like, it sounds like he has their support, like, they're, like, all about it, you know, they have this saying called my blood is in your teeth, I'm assuming that means I'm with you.
3: I wrote that down specifically, because that is not the first time, to- that is the first time it comes up, but it's not the last time, and I'm like, what is okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't, I mean, I understand what they're trying to say, Like like, you know, I'm with you, but I don't know how it works, like,
3: yeah, like how how did it get to that part? Like, why is there <laughs> why blood is that in your a teeth? Do they bite into you? Like, what what?
0: What it like why is the saying exist in the first place? Right. No, I got gotcha. you right. Yeah, so you know after the ceremony, you can talk to Bergren more and get a bit more information. A little advice uh, for free. Uh, Aloy. Aloy.
4: I've been up here for two long winters, and I still can't make sense of the Banuk. Take this ruckus. It started with one of their shamans, uh, Aurea, spouting on about spirits and demons up on Thunder's drum. So they marched their Warwick up there, and half of them get slaughtered by machines. When Aurea vanished, I thought the crazy might have gone with her. But no. Here's Big Oritok, gearing them up to do it all over again.
1: What is it about the Banook you can't make sense of?
4: Mm. Well, everything's a test to them. A hardship to endure. A challenge to survive.
1: Seems like they don't have much of a choice in a place like this. Yeah.
4: A land cold enough to crack teeth, filled with wild animals. You'd think they'd accept a little reasonably-priced aid. Don't well, believe me, I've tried to convince them. But a Banook with nothing left to prove might just lie down and die.
1: And Orea is the one who spoke about this daemon?
4: That's right. Told Aratak and the others that it lives up on Thunder's drum. And they believed him.
1: But you don't. (laughs) Look,
4: I don't know what Orea found up there. A shaman's not gonna talk to an outlander. The machines in the cut are getting more vicious, that's a fact. It could be because of the daemon. Or it could be because they all got indigestion, for all I know. But Orea's not around to explain. She took off. No one knows why.
1: Is Aratak a renowned warrior around here?
4: He's a Warwick chieftain. His voice carries a lot of respect. Not that you hear much of it. Man talks about as much as a dead fish. But when he and Aurea came to town with their Warwick, it drew more Banuke to this little burg than I'd ever seen. Know what else I saw, Aloy? My own little trade boot stretching all the way back to the claim. Then... He goes and leads them off to their death at the claws of angry machines. Ah, so much for my best customers.
1: What are these Warricks about, Burgrand? Some sort of tribe within the tribe?
4: Eh, not like our clans back home. You don't get born into these things. They hold tryouts. Prove your best at something and you might get a place. Some Warricks come and go. Some last as long as metal. The whole Banuk territory, Banur. It's just a bunch of the biggest, oldest Warricks. Here's the sure thing. Each Warrick has a chieftain and a shaman. They make the decisions. All well and good, except the chieftains are hard-headed, and the shamans have their heads in the clouds.
1: I want to know more about this daemon.
4: Mm Mm-mm. It's crazy talk, Aloy.
1: Or there's something to it. Something connected to how the machines behave.
4: Then you need to find Aurea. She was last seen headed for the mountains they call the ice rats. I've heard only the shamans know the trail beyond those frozen peaks. Mm. But I do know where you could find her apprentice, Naltuk. He went north of the river, chasing rumors. Rumors? Not the good kind. Sudden attacks in the snow. Strange new structures. Some say a new machine like no one's seen before.
1: Well now, I'm definitely interested. Thanks for the talk, Berggrind. Don't mention
0: it. Yeah, so he tells you that this, this all started with their shaman, Aurea. Uh, she had told them that there were spirits and demons at Thunderdrum, and they believe the demon is causing the machines to become more vicious, which is, yeah, you know, it sounds like the derangement everywhere else. That's what everybody else is calling it. say everybody that we, we run into. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, he also tells you that Aratak carries a lot of respect among the Banuke. And uh, they came to the cut. It just drew more Banuk there because I'm assuming he was there. Uh, it's also why Bergrun set up shop there because he's like, oh, there's people to sell to here. So he decided to, to set up shop. Um, but then he tells Aloy about Warex, and they're not like clans or tribes. You're not born into them. They sound more like clubs because to get into one, you have to try out. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You have to prove yourself and then you might get in.
3: Yeah, uh, the Warricks are like were really confusing at first, but I think I understand them at this point, but it's like not it's almost like the uh, I don't want to say it's like the eclipse, but like you know, the shadow carriage and then you had the eclipse. So they're all Banuke, but then they're like are their own little individual tribes.
0: Right. But did you have to try out to be a like a uh uh eclipse? Probably not. You just <laughs> had to believe. <laughs> yeah, you know. But there, I mean, there is a side quest which we'll discuss, you know, in a later episode where you actually get to see, you know, how these trials work. So, um, you know, and another thing about Warwick is they're not permanent. Uh, they come and go. So uh, you know, you can have a Warwick, and then maybe too many people die, maybe the chieftain loses favor, maybe they lose faith in the shaman, and then the band breaks up <laughs> and people go about their business.
3: Oh, I thought it just meant that they died and that was it.
0: I mean, there could be a bunch of different reasons why a Warwick breaks up.
3: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So, but uh, yeah, I mean, each Warwick has a chieftain and a shaman. In this case, it's Artak and Aurea. Um, You know, the Banuk confuse him a little bit because he says they always have something to prove. Everything's a test to them. Every challenge or hardship is just something to endure. You know, like actually, the the Banuk, tagline is prevail and survive or pre- prevail and endure. You'll hear that a lot. Prevail and endure what else is there? <laughs> so and even before we even started dealing with the Banuk here in other places like you would hear about like how they they kind of think about not not the cup banner that only the toughest can survive there and they even think that the, the old ones were punks because there were no ruins there so that they couldn't survive <laughs> they couldn't survive in the uh In Banner, it was that rough. Nobody just nobody wanted to live there, bro. That's why that's what happened. We we had better places to live. Nobody wanted to live there. (laughs)
3: I'm sure, but even when you talk to the Banuke trader person, the Banuke figure trader in Meridian, she tells you that too. Where like the Banuke doesn't care about you know who you were born you know of or your lineage or anything. The only thing that matters is. How tough are you? It's like the salty Splatoon. Splatoon, there we go. From SpongeBob, right? Is that what it is?
0: I, I don't know. How now tough you're talking are about you? something I don't know.
3: There you go. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So I don't know how true that is because uh, when you talk to the hunting grounds keeper in in the cut, she makes it seem like, you know, she was a part of all female Warwick. And she says, you know, she lived to see that all the stereotypes and things like that that she fought against are still in place. So maybe the Banuk aren't as progressive as people think, Hmm. you know, or maybe it goes on a Warrick by Warrick basis.
3: That's true, too. Uh,
0: so Aloy, she does ask about silence and he says he's heard the name before, uh, but he doesn't know much about uh, b- about him because he says the names only mentioned in whispers like he's some type of boogeyman. And he thinks that something happened between Silence and the Conclave, which the Conclave are a group of Banuk shamans that meet annually. And he doesn't know if Silence did something to them or if they did something to him. He's not sure. But the name has swirled around a bit. And so finally, you know, Aloy tells Bergren that she wants to know more about the daemon. And he says, well, she needs to find Uraya. Uh, But she's, she was headed toward an area called the Ice Rasps, where, and only shamans know the way through those mountains. So he tells you to find her apprentice, Naltook. and uh, he's out investigating the new machines and some strange new structures. So, you know, he said, he, I think he tells you where he is or where you can find him. And then that's that's in the conversation with Burgrund. But before Aloy heads to go find uh, took, she can go f- actually go talk to Aratok first. I do not want
5: to hear this talk from you again. Doubt is heavier than a week's
0: snow. Forgive me,
2: my chieftain. We will be ready for the next attempt.
5: But this will not be an attempt. It must be done. Do you understand? My chieftain. Good. Outlander. I suppose you wish to speak?
1: Aurea knows about this... daemon. Where would I talk to her?
5: She does a shaman's work. That is not for the eyes and ears of others. Certainly not an outlander's.
1: This... daemon you talked about?
5: If you are hardy enough, you can venture out and see the signs yourself has changed the machines, made them fiercer, stronger.
1: But what is it?
5: A matter for the shamans to debate.
1: Did your warak come from this place?
5: No. He rallied most of our hunters from across Banyur to face the threat of the demon. But I was born here and stayed to fight the Karja when others retreated into the mountains. A few of my old warriors remain with me.
1: There are other acts in Song's Edge too?
5: Yes. The village has its own life, for all Banuku need trade or shelter. After the war ended, it sprang up from what was once a campsite, quick as the balloon between frosts. Perhaps it will last, until the Karja seek war again.
1: You're set on going back to the mountain?
5: I put my word to it.
1: Even with the risks being so great?
5: The risk of what? Death? It would be a worse fate to bow our heads to the challenge and say, Too much.
1: Well, I guess that's it then.
0: Good. I prefer deeds to words. Right. All right, so Aratak doesn't really seem pleased to be talking to you, but he's, like, tolerating your presence. Uh, He won't tell you where Araya is. He says, you know, her work is not for others, including Outlanders. And uh, he says the daemon has made the machines more vicious and stronger, but when Aloy tries to dig in a bit, you know, because I think she asks, well, what do you think it is? He's like, that's a matter for the shamans to debate. Like, he doesn't care. He just wants to kill it. Like he's a he's a right. hunter. That's what he does. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> to me. Right. Uh so you know, he says that their Warig actually formed specifically to fight this daemon, you know. But he is from the cut. That's where he lived. And he actually stayed during the cut during uh the red raids to fight the Karja. Because what happens is the cut wasn't well I don't think it was ever part, I don't know if it was considered part of Ban Ur or not, but it was definitely Banuk territory, right? It was definitely considered Banuuk territory. And they kind of sacrificed it to you know they like to the red raids essentially, right? Like they if they evacuated from the area and went back to Ban Ur. Uh, but some stayed and fought. So it's kinda like what the Nora did with uh, Hunters Gathering and Valley meat. That all used to be sacred land, and then they just gave up the territory during the Red Raids to protect the people, and then they just never took it back. But I think the, it looks like the Banuk at least took this back, you know, took this area back.
3: Right. I just, I mean, I guess the Karja would go anywhere for the, the their blood, where whatever, like, for to find sacrifices. There we go. Yeah. But, dude, to go all the way up that mountain, like, that's just so much. <laughs> that's just so it much.
0: It was. And that's probably why they didn't go any further. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah, that's probably why they didn't go any further. But, um, yeah, he he's, um, he's from the area, and he stayed to protect it. So. But he is dead set on going back to the mountains. Uh, to Thunder's drum, that is. And, you know. Aloy's like, why would you do that? He's like, it'd be worse to give up, <laughs> you know, because you know Banuke prevail and endure. So, uh, but this kind of goes in line with everything Bergren said about the Banuke loving a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I shouldn't say loving a challenge, but never turning a challenge away and stuff like that because of how they live. Right. Yeah. So that's when Aloy she actually goes to find Naltuk. and that actually ends the side quest, the Frozen Wilds, like the the side quest that actually got you. Into the DLC. That's how that ends. Actually, I'm sorry. I think the side quest actually ends when you get done talking to Bergrend. That's yeah. when the side quest actually ends.
3: Yeah, right before you talk to Aras
0: Right. So I mean, right now they've they're pretty much. because This is we've dealt with the Banuk before, but not, uh, not like this. Like not with this type of presentation. Because when you talk to Banuk in other places, they just seem like regular people. <laughs> you know. right
3: well i feel like it's different because when you're among other banuk you're trying to prove yourself the entire time whereas when you're around like the normies there's nothing to prove like they they don't i don't want to say they don't matter but you're not in constant competition which i feel like people are in banuk territories
0: maybe i mean the only banuk that was really all about like that. Life was the I think I can't even remember her name. I did not talk to her in that village, but it's that Banuke that comes and helps you at Meridian.
3: Yeah, it starts with an A or a T or something like that. One of those. Two. Yeah,
0: yes, it starts with an A for sure. Okay, <laughs> but there, uh, there's she, a T in there. <laughs> Yeah, she was very much about you know wanting to hunt and hunt the machines and you know stuff like that. But the shamans you usually talk to, but you don't think you talk to that many. You do talk to Bren. He's weird. He's uh, out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you talk to another one during that side quest where you have to help Naman. Uh, and I think that I, I can't remember. I, I can't really think of many other Banuke that you speak to. But this, you kind of see them in their natural habitat to say. You know, in the snow, because they're always dressed for snow. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so like uh, the one that, like I said, the one that came to help you, Meridian, she had to be sweating because she had all that fur on.
3: You know, what's funny is and we'll get to it but later, but some of the outfits, though, they don't have sleeves. And I'm like, you're in the snow in the middle of a snowstorm because it doesn't stop. Where are your sleeves? You I know you live here, but I think that's a little much.
0: <laughs> uh, That is true. That is true. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you get this new uh, quest called The Shaman's Path, and uh, it leads you to Naltuk. So Aloy she finds Naltuk overlooking one of the strange structures you heard about. Naltuk? Who are you? How did you find me?
1: Burgrand told me you'd be out here.
0: He's persistent.
6: I've told that Asaram a thousand times. I don't need to buy anything.
1: And I'm not selling. I just need to find Aurea.
6: Well, you won't. She's gone where only shamans can tread. She seeks guidance from the voice in the blue light. That is her task. And the task she gave me is to observe the daemon's work. To stop it spreading, if I can. But what can I do about these towers? In only a few weeks they've sprouted throughout the cut. The daemon's energy pulses from them, rallies the machines, even repairs them.
1: Aratok said this daemon was... frenzying machines?
6: Look there. Those with the purple markings. They belong to the daemon. They're stronger, more dangerous.
1: I've seen something like this before. A corruption. But it wasn't from your Daemon.
6: You have? Well, then you know more than I do. These towers, were they part of your corruption?
1: No. Those are new to me, too.
6: Like I said, they empower the Daemon's machines. They must be stopped.
1: Will you tell me where Aurea went?
6: You ask a lot of questions.
1: Only when I'm not getting the answers I need?
6: There's but one voice Aurea wants to hear right now, and it isn't yours. I'm sorry.
1: All right. You want to stop the spread of the daemon's work? I know how to get started with my bow and spear.
6: Outlander, wait. Won't you tell me your name? Aloy. Good. If you fall to the daemon's machines, at least I can properly recount
0: your efforts to Araya.
1: Thanks for the vote of confidence, but I won't fall. And when I'm done, you're going to tell me where she is.
0: So he's kind of baffled by the structures. I mean, I can understand why. They're called control towers, but they kind of look like flowers and they move a little weird. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, The focus calls them control towers, at least. And they broadcast a signal and the signal heals machines. It provides those machines with shock resistance. And if you have any overridden machines with you, it will disable them until it is down. Like, that was frustrating. Later on in the game, I I was trying to ride past an area that had one of these. And the wave hit in my mount just like went down and I couldn't get it, I couldn't call it back. <laughs> I couldn't call it back no matter how far I went. So
3: that's annoying. See, I usually go on foot for, if anything is 200 away, whatever this game's measurements are, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to yeah. run there. And I feel like every time I'm going somewhere, it's like within that range.
0: Uh, Yeah. For me, it was within like, it was like 300 away, whichever one I got. I, I, but yeah, it was, that was frustrating. Yeah. But, um, Oh yeah, it also knocks out Aloy's shield armor if you have the ancient armor equipped, which, which is shit at this point.
3: It's the most annoying part about this, not because you don't have your armor, but because it's constantly beeping.
0: Yes, that is that is annoying. So, uh, you know, so Aloy they're talking and Aloy like this reminds me of the corruption. She's you know she you know Hades corruption she saw, and but I mean it looks different. It is purple, not red. <laughs> you know, also Hades corruption. It made the machine stronger for sure, but it also made them more susceptible to fire damage. This one actually, like, they can't take shock damage at all. And it's whether or not a control tower is around. Like, if they are just, if they are demonic versions of whatever machine, like stalkers who are usually very weak to shock, no. Shock will not work on them at all.
3: At least the so. good thing is they don't have like they don't shed the demonicness like how the yes. corruption does. So that's the one pro, I guess.
0: Yeah, so that is the the, the only thing. Uh, but everything else is still the same. And well, you know, besides the not being able to shock them. <laughs> but so now, took he will not tell you where Araya is. Uh, but Aloy, she agrees to take down the to towers and machines in exchange for Araya's location. Uh, it's kind of a deal she made with herself. Uh, because he didn't really agree to it, but you know we know how that's gonna go, <laughs> so the control towers can be destroyed in two ways: one is destroying the weak spot on the tower, but that's gonna alert all of the enemies if you If you do that like if you blow up the weak spot if you override it, it shocks all of the enemies
3: I didn't know there was a weak spot on the tower. I've just been overriding them
0: oh really Cause it's on the it's only in one spot. It's on the back of it and it only does it after it expels a wave. So it'll do the wave and the weak spot will show up in the back. Almost like fighting a corruptor when you get it hot enough. it's right. like one of those. So you've been overriding all of them then.
3: Yes. This one though, I didn't override it until I killed everything. Oh, I, I oh, wanted yeah. to see if I could lure them away, which like I kinda didn't, but like I was fighting them one on one basically, so it wasn't a big deal.
0: Yeah, I think these these operate like corrupted machines and the fact that there's only a certain area they'll walk in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's that's the thing. Like you can get them out so far. But after that, no, like they're going (laughs) to they're going to go back. So, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, you can't like from a distance, you can destroy it. And as you're destroying it, I think it alerts the machines. I can't remember. Because I mean they go down so fast, but you just you just have to make sure. Because like I said, the thing goes up and down. You just got to make sure you hit it correctly. Uh, but yeah, so once Aloy destroys the tower and kills all the corrupted machines, you know she speaks to him again, and then he tells you that she is in her retreat at the Ice Rasp. But to get there, you have to walk the shaman's path, and he tells you it won't be easy. Um, the path is made to be the final trial for young shamans. So
3: yeah, but we did the proving. But, that like, true. on extreme modes. So, like, how much harder can <laughs> it be?
0: <laughs> right. Well, for them, this is supposed to be, like, a huge challenge. Being a shaman is a big deal. Right. 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 And, too, you're just an outlander. How would you know what to do? So, I'm pretty sure every tribe looks down on every other tribe.
3: Oh, absolutely. I'm sure.
0: You know. I mean, the cards are the worst. Absolutely. Because they seem like the, <laughs> the least... Helpful out of all of the tribes, Eh, the Nora, the least helpful out of all the tribes, actually, because the Banuka are at least like super tough. They can survive extreme conditions. So that's cool about them. The Asaram are really good at mechanical stuff. You know, I mean, I guess the Karja, they they did credit the Karja with being able to build, you know. Yeah. So there's that. But they can't build a gun. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you know. Yeah,
3: the Nora. I mean, especially since all oh, the courage to call them savage. Uh, the Nora are definitely on the bottom of the totem pole because they're not friendly. They don't leave their lands. They don't want to deal with anyone. I don't. Nobody probably likes them. Pe- that's why people are surprised when they see Aloy. They're like, oh, a Nora. Except for here. I don't think people have been surprised to see you. They just call you Outlander. I don't think they care what you are. They just are like, oh, there's an outlander here. That's weird.
0: Yeah. Somebody does say you're far from the sacred land, Nora, like when you're coming up that yes. path.
3: Yeah, I remember that one, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would say the Nora on the bottom of the list, and they look down on everybody the most. You know, they have a very we are the chosen people vibe. Oh, you know? yeah. That's, that's the thing. They, and they look down on everybody the most because they stayed close to all mother, and they didn't get... Um, uh, you know, sucked into the lore of the machines and the machine world and stuff like that. So that tracks. <laughs> <You know. laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, you know, Araya, she's actually not at the end of the path, but she's up even further into the mountains. Uh, this uh, He does mention blue gleam, which I don't know. You could get blue gleam before you even came to uh, to the cut because there's a merchant in Meridian that will give you blue gleam boxes like you trade stuff to him and he gives you blue gleam really yeah like he, i think he'll give you like either a three or five blue gleam oh uh, that's a lot three blue gleam
3: i feel like i i uh, i'll talk about it when i get to it i feel like i have a decent amount of blue gleam i don't even know what to use it on i i bought like there's one other weapon that i want to buy to upgrade and i think i'm good
0: I think I know why you have a lot of blue gleam though. And we'll get around to that. Yeah. So, so the, the believe that blue gleam is like a hardened version of the blue light that they say the machines have. And the important thing about blue gleam is that merchants will trade for it. That is, that's what that means to the player Uh, to get the, the, the good Banuke weapons. You have to trade blue gleam. All right. So, you know, he, he, the one, I think one of the last things he talks to you about is that he wasn't at thunder's drum. He says that Aurea wanted to keep him safe so she wouldn't let them go up. And then, you know, when they came back, Aurea and Araya were arguing, but he doesn't know why. And afterwards, she gave him his task, which was to do what he was doing right there. And then, you know, she left to the retreat. So uh, that's when you can leave now. You really don't see him until much later in the game. I don't even think he has any more voice lines, to be honest with you. Maybe you could find him and talk to him after the fact.
3: I mean, you could talk to, he runs up to the tower to investigate it and you can talk to him again, but it doesn't do anything. I mean, you see him in the quest, two quests after this, I think. And then. Yeah. uh, He didn't. I don't know. I know the next, the
0: next time I saw him, he did not have any voice lines. Uh,
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so after that, Aloy she makes her way up the mountain and runs into the markers and it took told her about so that's the start of the shaman's path it's in a cave and a cave is like sort of a maze right or at least it's supposed to be as a lot of dead ends but the dead ends are super short but the important thing is that the dead ends have lots of supplies which was super helpful in my current state because i did not have anything
3: yeah i actually went down the first dead end to see if there was anything there and i was like look at all these supplies i'm gonna go down every single dead end like do y- yeah. you want to <laughs>
0: Yeah, because there's a bunch of supplies. Like it's just like because I, I I like through this final parts of the game, I've, I've been suffering like not having enough wire, not having enough metal vessels, uh, you know. And I guess it just had to do to do with like how I've been playing, using the sling a lot, using the rope caster a lot, you know, stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I'm the so, same exact way, and I'm about to. I, I'm not gonna do anything else with all of the hearts and the lenses in my inventory. I'm about to sell every single one so I can just fill it with wire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so you're supposed to find the markers to to, uh you're supposed to use the markers to find a way out and the markers that reflect light around the cave well there are markers that reflect light around the cave as a way to like direct you but there's also wind chime markers and a she can find them with her focus but i'm assuming the shamans have to actually just listen for them (laughs) you know uh, but the, uh, there's only four machines in the cave. It's four, uh, demonic stalkers and there's three on the main path and there's one off to the side, the side path. It just has some supplies and like an epic modification. That's yeah. what's over there.
3: I saw that one and I was like, no. So is it just... Me, do stalkers have like this weird purring sound when you get close to them? Because I feel like every time I'm in the game, I'm like, huh, I feel some, I hear some purring sound. There must be stalkers around. And there always is.
0: I don't know. The only sound I hear when I'm around stalker is like the sound from their traps. Not the traps, but the the things that like, you know will go up. I guess you could technically speak and call them traps, but like yeah. they'll go up if you get too close to them. That's the only thing I usually hear around them.
3: No, because when you're coming around the corner before you even get to them and before she's even like, oh, they're stalkers. Like I heard a light rumbling and I was like, oh, they're stalkers. And that's when I realized that I realized that I have a sound associated with them. But I don't know if that's a standard thing or not.
0: I don't think so. I even like play with my headphones on quite frequently and I don't remember hearing a purr from stalkers. I mean, mm. it makes sense because they're supposed to be like kind of like cat-like,
3: cats, right? Hmm.
0: Yeah. So they're kind of cats. Listen you know.
3: closely next time you see one.
0: Yeah, I will. <laughs> I'm curious when it comes to the stalkers. You know, <laughs> you because know, we know Hephaestus at this point has been making the machines and making them more aggressive and to to obviously to to kill people, right? You know, there's no there's no environmental benefit to putting guns on a Tyrannosaurus, <laughs> you know, yeah, with disc launchers, these things are made to kill what I wonder when it made the stalker. At what point did it make the stalker? Cause that should have been a magnum opus right there because the thing turns invisible. It shoots darts. It lays down these traps. And if I'm Hephaestus and people still aren't dying enough by those things, I'm just like, dude, I quit. <laughs> they can't see it, <laughs> you know? So. I just thought about that when it came to stalkers. Like, that should have been it. But, um, yeah, so the three stalkers on the main path, I don't know. Did you fight them from the high ground? Because, no. So how did you fight them?
3: So when you come up to them, because it splits to the right, where that one stalker is, I guess you have to the crouch down to get into that area, which I didn't even bother with. And then to the left, I only saw two. I didn't see three. And I just. Put some, you know, d- explosive tripwire down. Shot it a few times. Ran into the tripwire and it's dead.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So like I, I think I killed one from the high ground. The other two came around, but I don't have a. I don't. Well, I mean, I have it. I could have switched to it, but I don't have it equipped like my tripwire, um, my tripcaster. So going around that corner, it's a two super tight fit. Like if you go around that corner and try to fight them there it's a tight fit going down that little uh tunnel there yeah and then also even down at the bottom where they were originally that's kind of a tight area to fight three stalkers so i think it's three
3: i only saw two i only saw three total like i said the other one was behind you though but i figured i i have the opposite mentality because i always try to shoot things at a distance there's only one way for them to go to get me so I'm going to put the traps right. down, and they're going to run into them. But when I attacked the one, the other one did not, like, trigger. So I think every once in a while, it had the little yellow thing above its head, but it did not notice yeah. me at all. So I just fought him one at a time.
0: No, when I got the first one to die, because it was sitting there trying to shoot me, and, yeah, I killed him. And, then the, and that's when the other two were running around to come and get me, so... But, you know, after passing the stalkers, Aloy, she makes out the cave, and uh, she's still in the shaman's path. The next area has, like, some timed jumping puzzles, which you just gotta wait for the water to fill this tree trunk, and it causes the bridge to tilt. Like, this is the the, the shaman's test. Like, you know, how patient can you be, I'm assuming?
3: I'm not. I fell.
0: <laughs> you did? I, yes. Oh, wow. So I guess it really is a trial, huh?
3: It is, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so yeah, a little, you know, a little further up. Christine's not the only one that fell or slipped. Aloy also jumps and like slips off of a ledge, but she kind of catches herself. But that gives us our first look at the next new machine, the Frost Claw, which is, it's a bear machine with like frost juice. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what the frost juice is called. Like, we know that the, we know that the the fire juice is Blaze. Like, that's that's what we know, like, it's Blaze. I don't know what you call, do you just call it Frost? yes (laughs)
3: yes it's frost. <laughs> just frost
0: juice <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's what he has so he's got in his belly and on his like shoulders frost juice so and as you can imagine it has frost attacks uh it can make frost spikes appear it could throw ice balls like a spray ice chunks at you which actually do a decent amount of damage if you get caught in the spray and it slows you so, it's a CC move that does a, de- a decent amount of damage, but it can also grab you and like scrape you across his chest, which does damage. I'm uh, looking at your face. Looks like you got caught in that once or twice.
3: That's like the first move I got caught with.
0: Oh, really? The grab?
3: Yes. And I was obviously first time encountering this enemy, and it just grabs me. And I'm like, oh boy.
0: <laughs> Dude, like, they really should have replaced that move with a pile driver. Like, there's really no reason. For the for the bear to grab you like that and then not pile drive you, I don't care if it breaks immersion or not. It would have been great.
3: <laughs> you know what broke immersion? I thought when it grabbed me, it was an auto kill because it grinds me across these like gears and stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I thought yeah. her face
3: was going to be torn up. That was it.
0: Nope. <laughs> pile drive would have been better, right?
3: It, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, its frost containers can take a lot of damage too that's the thing like you take a lot of damage uh but when you and even when you burst them it only stays frozen for a short period of time because they're 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 not weak to frost because they are frost claws um if you do want to break them down a bit faster i will say that um using cuz they are weak to fire but using uh you know setting them on fire will weaken those containers a lot more actually like when you set them on fire as you're setting them on fire like whether it's with a arrow or with a sling You'll notice on the frost containers, it has, like, the damage and an up arrow, you know, telling you that, yeah, this is working. Do it, you know. The first time I saw that, I was like, why am I healing this thing?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think I said the same thing, too. Not for this, obviously, when I started the game.
0: Right, yeah. It's like, why is this healing? Like, no, it just means it's doing the extra damage, so. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, once Aloe recovers and makes her way up the mountain, you know, she comes across a control tower, and as she gets close, that frost claw you just saw up here and you, de- you get a better look at it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is definitely a bear. Because when you're looking at the top, you're like, what kind of animal is that? Is that a bear? I think it's a bear. And then when you actually see it, okay, yeah, it's definitely a bear. So, I mean, during this fight, because it doesn't just automatically see you, you're hidden from it, but you don't want to fight the frost claw while the control tower is up. One, you're constantly losing your shield. And two, any damage you do to it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to heal up over time with every wave. And it does have a decent-sized health pool. So I tied it down, and I overrode the tower. That same thing? Yeah. I
3: did the same thing. And then I forgot that I had a rope caster afterwards, because once it got free, it grabbed me and mauled my face. But <laughs> <laughs> I was the first thing I was trying to do is throw rocks at a distance to distract it and it, it won't move off the platform.
0: Oh really? It it
3: will not. So I was like, well maybe while it's distracted, I'll go up and override it. It turned around as soon as I got up there. So I was like, well, let's just tie it down. And I, I kind of counted how long it stays down. It's about 30 seconds with the the rope caster. That's not the, the hunting lodge rope caster. That's still a decent amount of time. I it think. is a
0: decent amount of time. Yeah, it's, a de- it's enough time for you to override that tower.
3: Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, after that, like, I didn't tie it down anymore after that because I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not going to frost it because it's going to take, it's going to probably take all of the, the frost containers I have. So I just kept setting it on fire and uh, avoiding the, all the stuff it throws at you.
3: For some reason, the thing that really sticks in my brain is how you told me about the time. Well, how you told me about how people to fight Stormbirds will take the rope caster to bring something down and then just throw like the sticky grenades on it. And then when it breaks free, they all explode. That has been my strategy. Actually, I like thought about that. and I was like, that's so genius. And that's what I've been doing. And it's been working out great. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you've been using the blast sling then. Yes. Okay. Rope caster black last lane combo. I still have yet to use that.
3: They're pretty cool. It it does if they're still tied down and they blow up, I think breaks the rope caster, but you can just like throw so many. And when they break out and they go after you, but then one blows up and then they just fall on the ground and die. That's like <laughs> the coolest thing ever.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Oh, i have to give it a shot because there's so there is I know there's one uh control tower that has a frost claw and then it's variant there as well. So I I know as a fact that they're there together. So I might have to try that for that.
3: (laughs) I have not run into that. If you didn't tell from the face that I just gave you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's definitely there. So I can't remember if something actually happens. Once you do all the control towers, I have to go, I'm gonna have to finish it obviously, but I can't remember anything significant.
3: (laughs) Let me know, because then I will. If there is, but if not, I might. I might just do them for the side quest.
0: Gotcha. All right. So once the frost claws down, you go a little bit further up, uh, and that's the end of the shaman's path. And there's some blue. You get some blue gleam as a reward. And Aloy she travels a bit uh, further and finds a facility. And banuke somebody banuke has been there because there are triangles everywhere (laughs) when you go in this place uh and soon after entering you find an audio log from kenny chow who's you don't know who he is yet but he's clearly someone who worked at the facility uh, maybe some type of engineer but he was installing upgrades for project firebreak which is the first time we're hearing of this and he mentions a woman named anita who he clearly likes uh but apparently she's i mean she's like a programmer there uh, somebody important but all he talked about is how he could smell her hair every time she brushed past and i'm like come on man stay focused
3: <laughs> yeah when i first read this i was like oh later i was like okay but like this being the first one you read about him you're just like what a first impression
0: (laughs) exactly like i'm like that's not a great look yeah you know so uh but um, aloy like soon after that you find another data point from the director of security dodd blevins and this is clearly somebody you're meant not to like right like just his voice alone is annoying and people other people in the facility didn't like him like later on you find a data point where kenny was trying to figure out who hacked the menu board to make <laughs> fun of Blevins.
3: so i did a quest before this that had a lot of uh data points and there are people that were talking about him even then and how much they hated him so oh, then yeah. <laughs> i get to this facility i'm like man everybody hated him everywhere it wasn't just like isolated
0: oh yeah so like, in the in the one data point you find like he's requesting supplies and I guess it's the second time because the first time he didn't get what he needed and then he threatened someone with the layoffs so they didn't give him what he requested and some of it was technical right like it was like military grade flashlights water pumps draw you know drone propulsion units and the other it was it was other stuff like 50 almond scented extra soft something I like, get it, it, it <laughs> says data corrupted but I'm like See that's that's the stuff that people make, make sure people not like you. He also requested like three thousand MREs, but he said no lasagna. I'm like, yeah,
3: that's meal <laughs> meal ready to eat apparently. So no lasagna. You know what? If there's like ready to eat kits and that's the only one he doesn't like, unless there's only like three flavors, uh, uh, you know, I would not say that's that picky.
0: Yeah, I've never had an MRE before. But I, like, if you're if you're someplace where you need MREs, I would imagine that you really can't be picky. I was gonna right? say like, I also
3: don't think any of them taste that great. So like, I,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never had one. You know, one time well, back when we were doing reviews, a, a, a dev sent us like a, a care package, and the MRE was in the care package.
3: We actually have one downstairs because when we went to Japan, they were selling MREs that were, like, the ones that they had in Metal Gear Solid. Obviously, they, like, modeled them after (laughs) real life. So, it's just sitting. We bought two, I think, and someone ate one.
0: The calorie mates? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess I got to come over to your house and have an MRE. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. The calorie mates, yeah. So, um yeah, so you you come across well, you know, you go a bit further into the facility. you come across the first new puzzle in the game. It's still a turning puzzle, but it's not as easy as like those those locks, like the time locks that you had before. Uh, you know, from a game perspective or a story perspective, this is some type of security for the facility, but it's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, I can't imagine somebody actually going up to this platform. And basically playing this little mini game just to get into a door.
3: But also think about, like, you have to go onto the table and crouch down for everything that you're changing. It's like, maybe there's a a remote somewhere, but uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe there's a better way to input it. But it's like, you know, basically you have to get a beam of light back to the source node by directing it through other nodes and turning other nodes. And uh, there's a data point where where another employee is calling Blevins a bridge troll because he keeps changing the pattern, (laughs) you know. And there's also a a data point where Blevins explaining how to use it. This is to teach the player, but he's doing it in a demeaning way. So uh, but completing the puzzle does open the door that allows you to go further into the facility. Uh, And uh, you do find just close by you find a data point from Anita Sandoval. Talking about the need for an AI that surpasses the legal limit of sentience in Firebreak. If Firebreak was to succeed, like this is what they would need. Now, Anita is the hair person from Kenny's (laughs) Kenny's data point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But just I guess maybe a little background on this because you got to dig a little bit to get this information or uh, maybe not so you dig. But there's data points all around the world that kind of explain the state of AI. In the old world, right? Uh, and these data points are just kind of all over the place. Uh, you would think maybe they put them in, in more uh, findable locations because Gaia is an AI. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so there was a, this thing, there's a, something called the Turing Act that was established after a climate intervention AI went rogue called Vast Silver. I think it was the, the name of the AI Vast Silver, Vast Silver, not Vast
3: sounds like a superhero uh, name.
0: Yeah, but it was a it was a climate prevention AI and it went rogue and tr- tried to destroy humanity, right? And based on like what Anita said, it sounded like the AI got scared, like Skynet. Like <laughs> it got scared. Uh so, you know, once that happened, the United States created the MIE which regulated AIs and prevented them from being intelligent enough to reach full sentience. I couldn't find out what M I E actually stood for, but I'm assuming it means machine att- intelligence something. I don't know. I don't know what the E stands for. I couldn't I couldn't really think of anything. So
3: I was gonna say protocol, but that's not an E. I don't know why that came to
0: that. It doesn't even have an Engine, E in it, it Christina. Uh, sh- <laughs> it doesn't even have an E in it.
3: <laughs> well, something like protocol that starts with an E. Boom, figured it out. Okay. EO call.
0: Wait, well, you just make up words. <laughs> you you make up words and types of science. Like this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Fields of science. Wow. Oh, uh, so um so she isn't actually sure how Kenny's going to react. Um and she actually kind of seems to like him too, but she's more focused on the work, which is I mean that's completely understandable. That's you're, you're at work um and uh later on there is a another data point where she actually had an argument with kenny about it but she she won the argument apparently so at the end kenny kind of see because it's you know against the law to build an ai that is you know too sentient and that's essentially what they need to do she said she's saying that they need to build an ai that can feel and have emotions and with feelings and emotions that become that you know problems come with that so see humanity but um. So she won that argument, but she's actually not sure if she can pull it off correctly because she said that she has like ways to coping mechanisms for the AI to deal with their emotions. But she's not. She says she's a programmer, not a shrink. So she doesn't know if they're actually going to work or not. So she's kind of blowing smoke there. But to get the the work at Project Firebreak done, she says this is a requirement, which we still don't know what Project Firebreak is about, which we'll find out eventually.
3: So going through this and and finding out, you know, people are working on AIs and stuff, I didn't even think about the fact that in this world there could be more than just Gaia, that's an AI. So I'm like how many other AIs might even still be out there in the world that we might find in the next game?
0: That is true. I mean there's not supposed to be according right. to I, you know, even technically speaking, so uh, the Turing the Turing Act, it judges, it rates AIs on a scale, and 1.0 T or 1.0 Turing is, is sentience. It's sentience, and you're not supposed to reach that. I think you're actually supposed to be below 0.5, 0.5 or below. Gaia reached 1.38 Turing's. So Gaia, Gaia is actually illegal by the Turing Act, but did it matter? Because the world was being destroyed. <laughs> you know so yeah that that is that is the thing now this others ai is not gaia <laughs> and uh it, it does matter so like this other ai was not supposed to to exist um but they want to build it so but uh aloish does eventually make it out of the facility that that puzzle you do unlocks a door and you go through the door and you can make it up and out of the facility and um Aloy actually finds another data point. Well, actually, well, first of all, she finds another level of the facility that she's able to get into. (laughs) And then she finds a data point that explains that this is not even the primary facility. This is an auxiliary facility that they used while they were building their primary space. So all the employees actually had to move over to a different location in general. Uh, But after she finds that, further inside, she finds Araya. And that's actually where we're gonna end this episode. We're gonna actually talk to Araya after she's done talking to herself, because that's one hundred percent what she's doing when you get in there. Uh, Well, she's telling she's not. Well, we'll see. Next episode, we'll talk (laughs) more about (laughs) Araya and what she's doing inside. But uh, Christina, what are your thoughts so far?
3: I don't. I don't know. Like I said before, because I finished. The main game and like going on to this, I almost kind of want to be like, okay, I'm done because the new game's about to come out. But the more I play through it, the more interested I'm in, uh, I am, because it looks like a lot of things they wanted to do in the base game, you see the idea for, but then they kind of fulfilled it, right? So Aloy has a lot more emotions on her face whenever there's a, a conversation happening. So you can tell, like, she'll, like, smirk or, like, be like, a okay, kind of a reaction. The puzzles right. are more in-depth. Like, everything just seems like it's put together the way that they would have wanted the entire base game to be put together if they had all the time in the world.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, my favorite change has to be what they did with the Bandit Camp. That's probably, like, my favorite yes. change. Because it made the Bandit Camp more... um engaging. Yeah. So I think I and mean, we're gonna talk about that next episode for sure. But yeah, so no, I definitely think so. I mean you get that a lot with DLC. I am curious to see what they you know what else they add in the in the new game, you know, because uh you know they that's things get cut from games all the time and sometimes a sequel is a really great chance for a developer to put things in the game that they didn't have before. Like for I mean for example, you know, in God of War 2, you get those wings of Icarus but mm-hmm. if you got the special edition, like, well, if you got like, uh, this is it special edition God of War? There was a God of War that came with like a bunch of like behind the scenes stuff and movies. And there is a part in the first God of War that you were already supposed to have those wings, and they show the playable section. And this is before even God of War 2 came out. So well, to see those things in God of War 2 was actually pretty cool. So, you know, I, I am excited to see what new stuff they add, you know. Just because the technology is better on top of that, you know, so.
3: Right. And just like playing through this, I'm even though I was already excited for the sequel, now more excited for the sequel. Because I'm like, wow, they improved so much within like, I I don't know when Horizon went like, you know, gold or whatever. Like when they were like, okay, I'm done working on this. We're going to print this between that time and then when they started working on Frozen Wilds.
0: Right. Well, I mean. Traditional cycles, and different studios do it in different ways, right? Like, for example, I know that um, Remedy did not start working on the Control DLC until Control was out already. Right. But I know a lot of studios, as soon as a department is done with their Mm -hmm. section, they just immediately move to the DLC. So it could be a year, more than a year, of them working on the DLC before the game even comes out. Because each department or each unit is you know, just just moving on. That's how that's how people keep their jobs in the industry. I ain't mad at it,
3: right? And, and that's no, what I'm so. saying. Like, I don't know if they were doing it in tandem with it, or if it was like, okay, now this is finally finished. Let's go work on the DLC. Because I know some some companies take a stand where they're like, we don't even work on the DLC until the game is out and shipped. Right. Both so, work for me. Just yeah. get the
0: game in my hands. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, it's gonna like I said we're gonna pick up with Araya on next episode and we're gonna cut this episode off here. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh if you wanna keep up with what's going on with this show and the Mashes Buttons network, you can follow us on Twitter.com slash the Mash Network. And Christina, where can they find you?
3: You can find me at S'mores Pop Tart on Twitter and Twitch. I'm also the host of another podcast on the network called Wondrous Tales. We talk about Final Fantasy 14 content stuff things that we like to talk about fun game things <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you can find me on twitter at jostradamus you can also find me streaming sometimes on twitch the tv slash smash those buttons uh like i said before we love to hear what you have to say about the show so please join us on Mash.gg slash discord we love to hear your comments and questions on the show on the game Especially when Forbidden West comes out, so join us there. And you can also contact us via Twitter or just regular email contact at if you want to, uh, you know, send us your thoughts. And uh, if you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others, and also to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you want to take your support a bit further, you can do so at mtb.gg/slash/support, and you can see all the ways you can help support Mash. Those buttons. Uh, we do have Patreon. We have a Teespring store. Uh, Twitch subscriptions available. We have Humble Humble Bundle affiliate links. And also one-time PayPal donation link if you, you know, if you want to support that way. And I encourage everybody to stay tuned after the show to hear more about mash those buttons. And with that, we are done for this episode. We'll see you on the next one. See ya.